I'm Michelle, an entrepreneur and creative business coach. Hi, I'm Steve, and I'm a social media and digital content strategist. We're friends with a shared passion for creativity in all its forms. Through this podcast, you'll find ideas to help up your game and share experiences with a community of creatives who understand what it's like to work and create in a digital world. If the episode you're about to hear sparks something inside you, share your voice by connecting with us on social media at pod for creatives on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So you thought it was a good idea to mark our 20th episode, which holy smokes, 20 episodes with doing a ask us anything episode, which, you know, anything unplanned makes me incredibly anxious. So yeah, I dropped this idea on you maybe 48 hours ago. Yeah. Yeah. Which (laughs) is probably if you're going to get me to do something is like the only way (laughs) to like get me to go along with it because I think about it too long. But you're also very concerned and said, oh, but we have to get moving on this tomorrow immediately. I need to see at least some of these questions coming in so I know how to prepare myself. So, But we're doing it. We're going along with it. We had some good submissions that came in, some uh, good questions in terms of like, you know, professional and uh, business related, some uh, off the rails questions, but we didn't uh, we didn't really get parameters. We said they could ask anything. We did. So that's that's cool. We'll we'll definitely get to some of those those good ones, but but you have something that you want to kick this round of uh ask us anything off with? Yeah. So, while well, I think that this is going to end up being a very lighthearted episode and this may be a really weird thing to start it off with, but I wanted to recognize the fact that we are releasing this on September 11th. Actually, I answered this question back earlier in the year. I forget where you were, but I kind of did a little bit of a takeover on our own account. And we were doing storytelling prompts to go with our storytelling episode. I don't remember which one that is, but we'll look it up. It was was early on. It was early on. So four four sounds familiar. Anyway, go ahead. So during the storytelling week, I had prompted you guys with questions on Instagram and I answered some of them in stories. And I believe we still have these saved in our Instagram profile. But The question I answered was, where was I on September 11th? And Steve didn't get to answer, so I thought maybe we could. Is this a weird thing to be starting with, with a very lighthearted episode? No, I don't. I mean, it's not a weird thing, but I mean, I I think certainly anyone who has lived through September 11th and the events of September 11th certainly remembers where they were, and I'm definitely no different. I was in second period band. And we walked out onto the stage that we were band class was held. And I remember um, a classmate of mine, his name is Phil Lucian, said that, you know, hey, did you hear a, a plane hit one of the towers? And our first thought, much like everyone else, was that, oh, it must have been a prop plane. You know, it certainly wasn't, you know, anything that was like, you know, just more of an unfortunate, you know, accident. So band class went through um, and we were packing up our instruments at the end of class and we heard that another plane hit and I just remember looking around kind of at people because you know you don't really know what to think you've never gone through anything like that and I just remember watching people kind of look around at other people because you're you're trying to see what other people's reactions are to what they're hearing and is it normal and and are other people freaking out about this and it was very unprecedented there was nothing that anyone our age could compare that to yeah no that's for sure it's definitely a kennedy moment or martin luther king uh moment that our parents you know might have gone through you know so 
it was a weird day um, from a from a, a setting standpoint, being in school and knowing that there was this great tragedy. And my little slice of this was um, my dad had retired at the time and he was kind of uh, doing some some uh, part time work as like a courier. So every few days or so, he would find himself down in Manhattan doing deliveries. And fortunately, it was one of those days where he wasn't there. But I remember calling my my sister who was in college up in Ithaca because she had made contact with my dad. I guess she had called him earlier once everything happened and she told me that, you know, he was out of the city. So, but yeah, just, you know, friends who had, you know, parents working in the city and just the, the, the sheer panic. And, you know, that was a, uh, you know, that's, that's a day and a moment that you'll never forget. Um, I don't think I ever want to forget. You never want to forget the way you felt that day. And yeah, it's a, um, it's a tough memory. So, you know, there really isn't an easy transition out of that. But um, we intended to do this episode as a as a fun, lighthearted episode. So we'll definitely <laughs> Sorry do for that. bringing this, bringing oh, us God. down, guys, <laughs> bringing the bringing the fun to start this one. So, yeah, why don't we kind of jump into it? we got sure. um, about a dozen or so questions. Uh, the first one came in from a friend of the show, Shane Haggerty. Um, actually he submitted two. Uh, so Michelle, I'll pose you the first one. Shane says, what is the greatest professional accomplishment of your lives? I would say for me, it wasn't so much a moment in time, but starting my business is probably my greatest professional accomplishment. I shared in an earlier episode that I was let go from my job and I was forced with the decision of do I try to find a new full-time job, which initially is what I tried to do, or to try to make it on my own? And we all know the statistic that most new businesses fail in the first two years or whatever it is. And I'm proud to say that mine is thriving. So that may be a boring answer, but that's my answer. It's a very Michelle answer. It is. Greatest professional accomplishment of my life. The first time I presented by myself at uh, our national school public relations conference. I had had a chance to present the year before with my boss and it went really well. And I just remember wanting to do something on my own. Not that I didn't think I could do it. I've been presenting in front of audiences in this position for a while now, but to do it in a national audience, to, to, to build a presentation from scratch and have it go so well and have it be so well received. I remember being on a real high um, that the rest of that day, um, and the rest of that trip, I've had a lot of neat accomplishments in my professional career, but that was certainly, that was certainly probably at the top of the list. That's a good one. And I feel like that also led to you doing a lot more speaking. Yeah. Internationally known up yes, in Toronto, right? Yes, yeah. that counts. Right. All right. So Shane's second question was, what is your greatest professional regret or missed opportunity? I really like this question a lot. Yeah, um, I thought about this a little bit. Greatest professional regret or missed opportunity. Um, we've talked a little bit about how um, I went to school for broadcasting and and that that was kind of my my goal coming out of college was to go into to sports broadcasting. I did an internship uh, at a sports department at a TV station and that ultimately helped me decide that I didn't want to be in sports broadcasting, but it is always a little bit of a, of a regret that I never had the chance to do anything like that. Um, I had had the chance while I was in college to, um, host my own radio show, 
uh, for a year, which was a lot of fun. It was all sports themed. So we did some national stuff. When I say national, it wasn't like national coverage, but some broader topics. And then we also did a lot of stuff with athletes from St. Rose where we would bring them on and do interviews. And um, I was proud of that show because we started it out by calling it the, the show was titled The Hot Corner in the first semester which for those of you who aren't baseball fans is a this is what third you know the position of third base is also known as the hot corner because the ball gets on you so quickly but we called it that and it was very much more 30,000 foot view we were talking about a lot of different things and then the second semester I wanted to come back and do something that was a little bit more geared towards St. Rose so we changed the show name over to Golden Knights Athletics and it was more an interview piece and profiling and that was that was a lot of fun we had a lot of fun with that but I also had the chance to do some demo tapes um, for basketball and baseball games for St. Rose where I went to the games and did some demos of some broadcasts and they came out you know for I think a 20 year old kid 21 year old kid they came out pretty good Uh, unfortunately it didn't really lead to anything but I always feel like as much as I knew the sports journalism field probably wasn't going to be for me, at least through at the, through the internship that I was in, I, I regret the opportunity to not have you know the chance to to call a game or something like that because I think that would have been a lot of fun. It's never too late, and you never know. You're super young, and if it's still something that you really really want to do, you can make it happen. So yours greatest regret or missed so, opportunity? I'm really glad that Shane asked this right after our last episode, which we recorded just a few days ago, because this is very top of mind. So obviously, you guys know my background is in graphic design. I do other creative things now, too. But I keep talking about writing. And you've also heard me talk about how much I love film and TV. So my uncle lives out in LA, and he is the head of a college program. Actually, Liz went to Ithaca College, right? Yeah. So it's it is, it is part of Ithaca College, enough to make this the Ithaca College podcast, not sponsored. <laughs> um, so he heads a portion of that college out in LA that is dedicated specifically to the study of film and television. And there are a couple people in my family who did a semester abroad there as part of his program. And Yesterday, I was thinking about the fact that how is it that I never even considered doing something like that? Because now that is a dream. And not just that I didn't consider doing a semester abroad, but why didn't I just do that as my as my college? Mm. And I think it's really well, first of all, I'll just say this. Not that this is like that they don't get along or anything like that. But my dad and my uncle, it's my dad's brother, are like extremely different. My dad is very corporate, nine to five. My uncle is a lot more creative. A lot, I feel like really a lot more like me. And um, it seems like something that if my parents had suggested it, I probably would have been all over it, but it just wasn't anything that ever came up and wasn't really on their radar. So I guess it really wasn't on my radar as a possibility. Yeah, now looking back on it, I really wish that I whether it was a semester or to the entire program got to be part of that. That's I, I can certainly see like, you know, it didn't necessarily knock you off track for where you ended up, but it certainly would have fulfilled that kind of like, you know, maybe personal satisfaction. Yeah, too. And it's not so much that it would have been better, but it just, it would have been different. Um, okay. So, um, Melissa McConnell is our next question, uh, from Twitter. 
I think it was from Twitter. Yes. Um, she wants to know when the blooper reel launches. So I'm assuming she means the blooper reel from either videos or outtakes from from podcasts that that don't make the uh, the production, but rather left on the cutting room floor. We should probably put something like that together. I think that would be fun. Yeah. Uh, I also thought this would be a good opportunity to bring up the fact that I'm guessing a lot of you don't even know this because I know that when I'm listening to a podcast and I start hearing the music at the ends, I just shut it off. But at the end of every episode, I would say maybe post maybe the eighth or ninth episode, we do include an extra clip. It's usually only a few seconds, but it's a part of a conversation that um, didn't make it into the main cut that is usually humorous and has a lot more to do with just how we typically talk to each other than yeah. the content of the episode. But wanted to alert you guys to that. And we also have a little thing that we have on Instagram where we have saved a few stories. We have random text messages that we've sent to each other that are kind of in that behind the scenes manner. Realm. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I think doing a proper blooper reel might be fun at some point. I'll get on that. We can do something like that. That'll be fun. Good suggestion, uh, good, Melissa. Yeah. Good idea, Melissa. So I'll just give the background on this next run of questions because sure. um, our buddy Jim Cummings, who uh, uh, actually won a caption contest that we did on Instagram of a photo of me when I was like three. Still on I, uh, Instagram if you guys want to see it. Yes, I'm very partial to that photo. So Jim gave us a caption that worked, but made us both crack up for the photo. Uh, so we sent Jim a podcast for Creatives Mug. And he sent in uh Four, four <laughs> questions, a run of four questions. So we're going to do a run on Jim Cummings questions right now. So Jim wants to know, do you keep idea or design books for when ideas hit you suddenly? No, <laughs> but I do. I love the notes app that is synced between your phone and your computer. And I write everything in there and there I have friends who do something called bullet journaling which is supposed to kind of be the same type of concept but I just find it so much easier to do in digital form and every once in a while if I have an idea I'll jot it down but I rarely rarely go back to it it's more of a safety device than anything else yeah I don't if I get an idea for something I try not I don't always consciously write them down but um if it's something that I think is going to be beneficial to a project that we're working on or um, help to advance something, um, yeah, I'm a big fan of the Notes app and we'll certainly use that just because it makes life a lot simpler. So that's something that I would definitely do. Cool. All right. Next question from Jim is, who do you follow slash read to spark your creativity? For me, um, there's a couple of go-tos on Twitter that I've become um, kind of partial to um, one of them we've talked a lot about on this show. Um, her name is Jess Smith, um, and she's the um, a digital strategist um, and and kind of director for uh, social media for the Yankees. There's another uh, another guy that I follow on Twitter named Keith Steckler. He's a um, kind of in that realm too, but uh, really big into um, into digital communications. He's another guy on social media that I would I would certainly recommend following. I've also recently become a member of this group on Facebook called the Social Media Geek Out Group. And it's a, uh, I'm trying to pull it up here as I'm talking to you. You haven't um, left the group yet? 
No, I haven't. Shane, if you're listening to this, I have not left this group. But it's a um, it's a great group that's headed up by a guy named Matt Navarra. And uh, he's also active on Twitter. But he's great in terms of providing like new things that are breaking on social media, new trends, new new features on some of the different channels and kind of making you aware of what it means, how to use it. It makes me seem a lot smarter than I probably am in this in this field. So um, those I'm guys are, are very. Yeah. <laughs> Those guys are very, um, are very influential. But in terms of inspiration, I've said it before and we'll say it again. Jess Smith is like, is, is one of my favorite people. You know, she, she constantly finds these, um, stories, ads, videos that brands are, are releasing. And I mean, you see something and it just kind of, you know, motivates you to, to, to want to create something great. So yeah, she's, she's a big fan of, uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of hers. <laughs> she's a big fan of mine. One day she'll be <laughs> a big fan slip. of you. How about you? Uh, I've talked about this person before, Ashley Brooke, who is a lifestyle blogger, mostly follow her on Instagram. Everything that she does is beautiful. And every time I look at her Instagram feed or I see that she's put a new post up, it just, it makes me smile. It makes me want to be a better person. It makes me want to make things prettier because it seems just like everything that she touches is pretty. And since I've spoken about her last, I think it's okay for me to share this because she's, she speaks, um, has shared publicly about this, but she's a, you know, young girl around our age and, um, her husband was just recently diagnosed with cancer. So she has now been sharing that part of their journey pretty openly. And it's been, she's even made that beautiful, if you can believe it. So Mm. um, yeah, she's been inspiring me in new ways. So yeah, she's definitely, I would say, a go-to person for me. I don't know that I would necessarily say she sparks creativity, but um, certainly inspires me. Um, Another person... Also, that I wouldn't say sparks creativity, but definitely motivates me and helps me when I'm sometimes not necessarily just in the right frame of mind to be doing work or I'm feeling lazy or, you know, feeling unsure of myself. I love James Wedmore. He has a great podcast called Mind Your Business, and it is the perfect combination for me of business, uh, logistical type of tips but also he is very much a, a woo-woo person who talks about feelings and getting over mental blocks. And um, his podcasts typically come out on Monday and I never miss one of them. I, I'm always excited to listen to that every Monday morning. Do you find that you find inspiration through other sources like um, music, art, things like that that kind of appeal to you? Oh, everything. I was I was just speaking with uh, my mastermind partners earlier this afternoon and we were talking about TV and I had posted something on Instagram on my personal feed talking about how big of a television fan I am and how I hate the stigma that people who watch TV are lazy. And that I feel like as a creative person, when I watch TV, I'm not just sitting there. I'm taking every single detail in the costumes, the dialogue, the way that it's shot. And yeah, everything that I watch on TV or, or movies, those are all huge inspirations to me. Yeah, I I was kind of thinking the same thing too from from a music standpoint. Um, I think we talked a little bit about uh, Passenger on our podcast before and mm-hmm. how much that music kind of speaks to me. And there's something about it that I would kind of describe as just there's just a group there or, or a musician out there that everyone just kind of connects to, and that's certainly it for me. And it's not just on things that you're going through in life, but it's also on bigger picture things, kind of like creative pieces and things that 
you know, you watch how they do a video or you watch how they conceptualize something and you're just like, Oh wow, that's really cool. Like I, 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 I didn't get that, that, that was the connection. And they just shot something not too long ago for their latest album. And it's a, um, it's a song that I've started to grow partially um, uh, obsessed with, I suppose would be the right um, mm-hmm. the right way. It's called A Heart to Love, and it's off their new album. And basically what they did was they shot the video of him walking the streets in Vegas. He was walking maybe two times slower, three times slower than everyone else around him. And he was singing the song two or three times slower as they were recording it and when they edited the video together they sped it up so everybody behind him was flying by him and he was just kind of going along at this like normal walking pace and it kind of just shows that like the whole concept is like he's looking for this this heart to love in essence and everything around him is just flying by and he can't find it and he's just kind of walking through it at a normal pace and it was really well done and they actually released a video that kind of talked about you know the creative side around it how they set it up and the, you know the intent how many times they screwed up and where he had to start over and it was really cool so like I like things like that not just for the music but for the creative ideas too that sounds like an amazing concept I love that yeah and we'll definitely link up to it in the show notes yeah for sure okay, cool for sure what is the craziest idea that you had and followed through on I think I know this answer for me yeah yeah this okay. is a this is an easy one for me it was moving to Florida for sure. Yeah. I had we had no reason to move here. A lot of people, I think there are family members who still think we moved here because my husband got transferred, but no, we just decided that we wanted to move and we did it. And it worked out. Yes, it did. Or yes, it has. Um, craziest idea that I've had and followed through on. Everything I do is so measured. I was going to say you don't take very many risks. No, everything I do is kind of <laughs> calculated. Maybe this podcast. I almost said this podcast because this is very different than any other creative thing I've done. Well, and I mean, I remember saying to you, like, after the <laughs> first couple episodes, like, I I had no confidence whatsoever when we were planning this thing at this time last year that this was going to work. Like, I was just kind of going along going, well, I trust her. So <laughs> there's there's that, um, which I suppose is the biggest element of all of this, right? Yeah. Um, But... I had no confidence that this was going to turn into anything that we were going to figure this out, that we knew what the hell we were going to be doing. And, um, we still don't completely know what we're doing, but no, we no, know that actually, we're having fun, which is why we keep doing it. Yeah. That's a pro tip. Nobody knows what the hell they're doing, Yes, but it's worked. And, um, I'm grateful that, that we stuck with it, that we had faith in each other, that we continue to have faith in each other, that we only fight like once a month over creative concepts and ideas. Yep. And, uh, <laughs> maybe that'll make the blooper real. Yeah. Yeah. Cause maybe it's more than once a month. I don't know. <laughs> and that we definitely did it cause it's been worth it. And I think hopefully, you know, just providing a, a venue for people who work in the creative industry to talk and listen to things that they're all probably experiencing and going through. Hopefully it provides that. So definitely cool. All right. Uh, the next question, this is the last one from Jim is who's the better quarterback. I should, should have, have you read this just in case I'm going to mispronounce these names, but it's Carson Wentz or Nick Foles. And in parentheses, these are the only choices for this question. Yeah. So a little bit about Jim for, for people listening to this. Jim is um, originally from, I think he's originally from, Jim, I'm sorry, big Philadelphia sports fan, lives in, in Arizona. Jim, I'm not even sure if you're originally from Pennsylvania. I could have completely butchered that. But I do know for certain that you are a Philadelphia sports fan. 
and uh, I am a Dallas Cowboy fan, so Jim and I have gotten into many a Twitter war and arguments over uh, our respective teams. So he's goading me here with the two quarterbacks that Philadelphia has on their roster uh, going into this year. So who's the better quarterback, Carson Wentz or Nick Foles? Well, Nick Foles won you a Super Bowl, Jim. So I mean, like, you know, it's really hard to turn your back on uh, on that. So I guess if, if I had to answer that, I'd go Nick Foles. Now, I'm more interested in what Michelle has to say about all of this. Well, Steve... You may think I'm not a football fan, but no, but you are. You've gone to games before. I mean, you 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 pay attention. You have a husband I know who bleeds cowboy blue. Yes. So I mean, okay. so in addition to that, I just as of two days ago drafted my fantasy football team. Bang! Look at you. Yes, which I may need your help coming up with a name for because my last year's name, which was Levy on a Prayer, will no longer work since he's not on my team this year. But so immediately when this question came in, so I did draft. And when I say draft, I like did my first pick and then I just put it on auto draft because I wasn't really paying attention. (laughs) So I went to go look for the first time since I drafted two days ago. I'm like, oh, maybe one of these two guys are on my team and then that'll be my easy answer. But alas, they were not. (laughs) Um, So I I was going to default to the opposite of whoever you pick just to keep things interesting. So I'll go with I'll go with Carson Wentz. Okay. So next question. Out of all the things to splurge on, what are your guilty pleasures? That came from Joanna. What do you want to say? <laughs> no, I was just going to say the Joanna part because I wasn't sure if you were going to say I it. I know. That's why I said go ahead. <laughs> uh, this is, I think, my favorite question because I love splurging on things. And definitely my answer for this is travel. I don't have the best reputation among family and friends when it comes to traveling. I don't want to use the word responsibly. Frugally. I've been called a hotel snob before, but if I'm going to go somewhere and stay somewhere, I want it to be at least as nice as my house, but hopefully nicer. So yeah, I splurge. I almost always stay in really nice hotels because they inspire me and they make me happy and... And if you're going to go away somewhere, you might as well have the best time as possible. Yeah. I like how you called yourself the hotel snob because I was like, oh, that's a new one. And then I went right to the whole like Costanza Seinfeld debate where he's just like, he's like, you've been the bad boyfriend, the bad tipper. <laughs> yes. the bad, like, oh, fill in the, the blank snob. <laughs> yeah. You've been the design snob. You've been the movie snob. <laughs> yeah. So hotel snob just, uh, just fits just in with fits. that. Yeah. Um. So keeping in the football realm, my favorite thing to splurge on are football jerseys, specifically Cowboys jerseys. I own probably and it's probably not a lot compared to what a lot of people do, what what a lot of people who like buy these things own. Um, But I own eight Cowboys jerseys. That's um, impressive. It is. Um, I have a specific um, they have to be authentic jerseys. Um, Can't be the screen printed things or anything like that. I own uh, eight of them. They hang in my closet. Um, they get broken out only on, only on game days. It's usually by feel, the one that I want to <laughs> wear for that day. Uh, morning yeah. mist. Morning mist. Yes, this is morning mist. But yeah, I I, I, I try to be smart about them. I buy them all through eBay. Um, so um, there's a lot of time spent just kind of scouring ebay and and comparing prices and knowing when the right time to jump on a deal is and, even your splurge um, is not a splurge if you're putting that much thought measure. into it well she says of all the things to splurge on it's more money that i would want to spend on something but it's you know so maybe that's that's how i would consider it a splurge but 
but yeah, it's, that's certainly something that I feel like I have, uh, a lot of that I don't necessarily need. And my wife will tell you the same, but they're there and, um, they get put to use during the, you know, the football season. So, Hey, if I always say, if it's something that is really special to you, that's going to mean a lot, um, and it's going to make you really happy. That is where you should be spending your money. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm always very happy with them. So good. Um, so this is where things kind of go off the rails here a little bit. These next two uh, questions. I don't. But, I felt uncomfortable even typing out this question. Yeah. Can uh, I rephrase it to be classier? Sure. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to put a spin on, um, our friend, uh, your friend. <laughs> oh yeah. You're not a fan he, of his after. No, he, I'm after not. Yeah. He's already on my really bad side. Really kind of killed your movie theater. Yes. So Dan, yeah. who does not like going to movie theaters, asked a variation of the question, Steve, have you ever gotten a manicure or pedicure before? No, I have never gotten a manicure or a pedicure before. Um, the only, the closest I ever came to it was um, before we got married. My wife did file back my <laughs> cuticles. So when we had like the close up hand shot of the rings, you know, things oh, look, you can be a hand model now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, an underrated Seinfeld episode. Uh, the oven mitts just yes. walking around the oven mitts. Yeah. I'll take it in my room. Yeah. <laughs> that was the closest I ever came. Um, you, on the other hand, I assume have. Uh, oh, yeah, of course. OK. Yeah. OK. Yeah. That's that that is something that I consider to be a splurge going to get manicures and pedicures, but I don't do it very often. Maybe like every six weeks. That's not so bad. That seems like a lot. Really? Oh. Well, if I bought a football jersey every six weeks, there'd be problems. Yeah, but you're selling them back. I can't sell a manicure. And trust me, people don't want me giving them manicures. This is the reason I go and have them done. (laughs) Thanks for the question, Dan. Yes. Um, This is a a kind of a a weird question. question. Do you know this person? Uh, yeah, I do know this person. <laughs> Ryan and I went to, to college together. We did ask people to say, um, ask anything. So I think Ryan is, um, Ryan's the kind of person I think who would certainly ask anything. So Ryan asks, how do you make yourself go to sleep? Go ahead. <laughs> maybe, maybe ask like when you've had difficulty falling asleep. No, just what have ask. Been your... This is how you, this is up for interpretation. Okay. Um, I think maybe it was purposely phrased this way. Yeah, this is kind of timely because I haven't really been sleeping well lately. So I guess I would I'll take the interpretation of what what do you do when you can't fall asleep? And first of all, I think a lot of us have a tendency when we go to sleep to all of a sudden. um, Maybe maybe people don't do this, but I feel like I, I was doing this for a while where I lay down to go to sleep and all of a sudden. You know, all of your your worst fears and anxieties are immediately the thing that come to mind. So I've tried to do the opposite. And when I go to sleep, just try to think of all of the positive, happy things that are happening in my life. And hopefully that'll be the thing to lull me to sleep. But yeah, other times if if that doesn't work and I can't get to sleep, sometimes I'll grab my headphones and I'll listen to a podcast or I'll listen to some music or... I know that sleeping with the TV on is known to be not healthy, but um, also a great Billy Joel song. Yes. Um, I always peace, very peacefully fall asleep when the TV is on. So I'll put the TV on, even if it is in the middle of the night, which I did just a few nights ago. And that usually works for me. I don't usually have a lot of problems falling asleep at night. I hate you people. 
<laughs> that comes from a person without a conscience. <laughs> um, but it's true. I really don't have very many issues falling asleep at night. That may change in the not too distant future. Who knows? But um, spoiler alert. Uh, you want to do this? Go ahead. I, I mean, this, 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 right? I mean, someone Ryan, just, if you're ever yeah. if you're listening to this <laughs> and you knew that the, your question was going to lead to this announcement. I uh, doubt it. Who the hell knew? Um, anyway, um, my wife and I are expecting our first child um, in November. Um, very soon. We're very excited. It's going to be a, it, it's a boy. Uh, we know that. So, um, yeah, we're very, very excited. And um, yeah, so I'm sure my sleeping patterns are going to be incredibly different over the course of the next couple of years. Um, but up until this point, no, I really don't have a, um, issues or, you know, whatever is sleeping on the off chance that like I'm trying to fall asleep cause I know I want to sleep and it's just not happening, which I guess is like, how do you fall asleep? Right. But yeah. you know, on the off chance that it happens, I tend to count, um, backwards I usually, yeah, forwards. but I usually backwards, but I usually try to pick like some ridiculously high number. Um, because I feel like if you just start at one, you're rhythmically kind of just going through it. Like you're not, yeah. you know, but like if I started some, some like, you know, random high number, uh, it seems to work a little bit better. So yeah, I go for that. I like that technique. I've done that before. Um, well, congratulations, I guess I should say. You've known for a while. Formally, so. I should say like congratulations. You have to say it, but, yeah. but just in case people are like, oh, Michelle doesn't sound so excited about this. <laughs> <laughs> He's already gotten his congratulations from yeah, me. Yes, yes, we've <laughs> talked about that. That's fine, but thank you. The next one that came in came in from uh, actually a person I work with. Her name is Alyssa, awesome, awesome uh, colleague of mine. She asks, what are your biggest personal or professional insecurities? This is a great question. Yeah. And we could probably do a whole episode on this, but it would probably also be very self-deprecating, so. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so do you want to go personal or professional first? Oh, we have to do both? Well, she said slash, but I feel like it would be more enticing if you had like a personal one. Or maybe that might be too intrusive, but... No, I don't care. Okay. Um, I I had a professional one in my mind. I didn't really have a personal one, but I can come up with something. Okay. Well, go ahead and do your, your first one. There. Okay, so my professional one is that Sometimes I feel like I'm too old mm. to be where I am at this point. I think for many years, I felt like I was too young, like no one was going to ever take me seriously without having experience and work and accomplishments to back up whatever I was trying to sell or talk about. And I feel like it was probably around maybe age 30, 31, where all of a sudden I felt like I just aged and all of a sudden, I was this older person, and I realized how many 20-year-olds, 20-somethings, were doing these amazing creative things and weren't waiting for a certain age to get there. And, you know, as obviously as I've aged, I mean, I'm friends with a lot of younger people who are in their 20s who are doing these crazy, amazing things. And, um, yeah, I don't know. A lot of people listening to this may think that, that this is really silly because I'm 35, and that's still young in the scheme sure, of things absolutely. but um and I know that this is something that a lot of people struggle with just either feeling like they're too young or too old but I'm feeling in the the too old camp now well I don't think that's necessarily true at all but but I get that you know you got to 
you got to kind of rationalize these things in your head. That's why they're person. That's why they're insecurities. I guess in many ways, like the funny thing is, is like, do you feel personally, do you, you don't feel old personally, but you feel old at times professionally. It's funny how that happens. Yeah. But I think it's also, uh, the group that you're with. I've talked about Tuesdays together and the rising tide society before. Whenever I go into those Tuesdays together meetings, I feel old. It's almost Mm. all people in their twenties, but yeah, obviously hanging out with, uh, you know, when I'm with my parents and their friends, I feel super young. I always feel like, like personally, I always feel like I identify with an older crowd. Oh, definitely. Uh, Same. Always like, you know, we'll Rachel and I will meet somebody out, you know, uh, I don't know. You, you interact with somebody when you're out and the person's older than you are. And I'm just like, see, I get along with that guy. Like, yeah. I feel like I could really like identify with this person or like I could learn something from that person. I also feel like I gravitate toward older and wiser. And I think there's also something about I'm a very calm person. So, you know, there is definitely an association with youth and, you know, being a little bit more wild than I feel like. I can be more like just quiet and myself around older people. Not that there yeah. aren't wild and crazy older people as well, but that's true. That's true. So do you have a a personal one? Um, I feel like maybe out of this discussion, this is something I, I've probably always felt insecure about, but as I've gotten older, have kind of turned it around and have been owning it. And that is, I always, classify myself as like being very uncool and I don't mean like I didn't have friends or the people called me a nerd or anything like that but I feel like I've always been into things that not that haven't been the most popular but it really hasn't been until recently that I've found other people found friends who feel the same way as me who are into the same things as me and we've talked about this in in past episodes how like the internet has been cool in that way to be able to connect me with like-minded people or for all of us to connect in a like-minded way. But yeah, I still, you know, I was never really athletic growing up and I feel like there was so much emphasis put on, you know, people who played sports. Um, So that's just, I always kind of like felt a little left out of that. But now I'm like, it's not that I feel left out. Now I'm just like, oh, I didn't really have interest in doing that. I'm interested in these other things. So this is, it's kind of a muddy answer, but I feel like that's the best I can do. Yeah, I think that happens, though, because, again, sometimes these things are uncomfortable to talk about, too. So you kind of even though you're confessing to an insecurity, you're trying <laughs> not to make it sound as bad as you it might be. So, yeah, it's kind of like a soft landing place for uh, a little an introspective look, I guess. I already got on the uh, psychologist couch in the last episode, so I'm not going to do that again here. Yeah. No, that's true. Personal insecurity. I'll start with personal insecurity. Okay. Um, I think my biggest personal insecurity is um, maybe this doesn't come as a surprise for people who look at themselves as creative people or who are creative people. But like the right side of my brain is, I think, my strong side. Right. You know, the one that's in touch with the arts and one that's in touch with language. And I think that's really where my creative side and storytelling ability sort of comes out. My left side, the science, the math, um, that that technical aspect. Yeah, it's not it's not good. And I think any time that I'm in, it's not that I can't do it. It just doesn't come as freely as the other side does. And whenever I'm put in a position where I have to utilize that, I always feel like I'm less than 
anyone else in the room. Um, I work with a lot of people. Alyssa actually will know this. I work with a lot of people who I think are, are very strong left brained individuals. And sometimes we'll be working on things or discussing things. And I, I might come off as like apathetic to the whole situation. Sometimes I am. Um, <laughs> but I might come off as apathetic to the whole situation. But it's largely because I'm really trying to concentrate and figure it out. And I always worry about being looked at as somebody who just doesn't get that side of things or doesn't understand that side of things. And it's not necessarily the case. It just takes me longer. Um, I was never a great math student or science student in school. Logic was not necessarily my forte when it comes to any of that. I was really just more creative freestyle um, when it comes to execution of work. Um, I believe in planning and I believe in all that stuff, but it's got to be on, on, on my terms, I guess. So um, that's kind of, I guess, a hybrid professional and personal because I have also learned that through this debacle with my house over the last, you know, four months or so, there's a lot of math that's involved in that too. And <laughs> there's a lot of, there's a lot of, of, of stuff like that and, and tracking of numbers and, and, you know, it's very, um, thank God for my wife for many, many reasons, <laughs> but thank God for my wife because, um, she was a math concentration in, in college and she's a good math student and, and very good with numbers and stuff like that. So, you know, we kind of work well together, I think on, 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 on those two things. So yeah, that's definitely one of my, my biggest insecurities I think is not necessarily being so strong on, on that side of my brain. Well, I don't think that there's a single person who feels super strong in both sides. And luckily, you get to work in a team. So you have people who are strong in that area, in, in work and in life. But um, I wish people would admit that. Like, I think that's kind of my my for my frustration. Like, I, I do believe in doubling down or, or betting on people's strengths as opposed to trying to get them better at something that they might not necessarily be strong at to begin with. Like... I think we'd be a much more highly functioning, I don't know if it's society, if I'm being too broad, but if we actually just focused in on, you know, what our strengths were and tried to leverage those as opposed to feeling so insecure about things that not, not, might not necessarily be our, our fortes. Absolutely. I don't know how to make that work, though. No, neither do I. People don't like admitting things. Right. <laughs> That's true. This is what makes this episode so awkward. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was a part two to her question. All right. So the second part of her question was equally important. What is your favorite song to boost your mood? If we're talking about, we're saying boosting our mood, like yeah, getting not, excited, not, like getting pumped up or. No, I would say maybe to um, cheer yourself up is the way I would interpret that question. Because I feel like, <laughs> I don't know this for a fact, but my guess is knowing you and knowing the music you listen to that if you may be in a mood you will listen to music that matches that mood so you can kind of yep. like wallow in the melancholy. Yep. Yeah. So um, maybe you don't even do this. Do you try to get yourself out of moods like that? I don't listen to music to get myself to like a happy place. I listen to music to kind of get through a situation, but it doesn't necessarily leave me happy. I just, to your point, it just kind of matches where I am. Um, lately, and we talked about this earlier in the episode, lately there's been a lot of passenger. There's always Rockapella somewhere on that playlist. I suppose like if I'm listening to something to kind of get me like, you know, excited or, or, or with a, with a, with a rhythm or a beat to it, there's a lot of Billy Joel. One song that I found myself listening to a lot a couple of months back, just 
often just it seemed like it was on every playlist was um the song off of uh was it 52nd street that he did it was uh half a mile away i really mm. like that song um i gotta check that album i might, I might be wrong on that but i really yeah. like that song i love the horns i love the the uh yeah it was 52nd street he's got a sign he's got a, a line in there where he's like i've given everybody so much time now i need a moment that's mine i just really like that like i've you know i've i've worked hard like now get away and yeah. I'm going to just take some time for myself <laughs> now. So does that sound like me or does that? Yeah, sound well, like totally. Especially right. within, you know, the last few months of your life. I feel like that right. kind of fits in well. Right. So this is interesting because, um, we could be going as like as far back with you to like the big band era. We could be hitting some doo-wop. We could hit Sinatra, like All of show it. tunes. All like of there's it. a lot. Of you here. just, no, I'm, you just answered the question. <laughs> so that is my answer, what you just said, all of those yeah. things. And um, I use Amazon Music to listen to my music, and that's pretty much what my um, my playlists are, are those four things. And I tend to mostly listen to happy, peppy music. I also have Billy Joel in there. You didn't say that. That's another one of my go-to playlists. But mm -hmm. even my Billy Joel songs, I have a few of his slower ones but for the most part it's the it's the you more hit like upbeat. uptown girl and, and yeah yeah well okay. that that only whole, the good die young that whole um album he has that was based on his relationship with christy no um i mean maybe it was but it was more of tributes to um musicians like from the 50s and 60s yeah okay from the 50s i guess um i'm, I'm blanking on what the album is yeah, that was the Innocent Man album. Yes. I feel like probably most of my favorite songs by him are on that album. There's a few exceptions. I feel like there's a two, like one or two on there that I don't like at all. But yeah, that's a great album. Is there a TV show or movie you will always quote? That's Alyssa's third question. Um, well, anyone who listens to this podcast knows that Steve and I are constantly quoting Seinfeld. Yep. The um, office. The office. But mostly Seinfeld. I feel like I, yeah, quoting, I, was, I was actually thinking one. that like we reference the office a lot, but I don't know if it's that the office doesn't have as many quotables or we just don't know it to that level of Seinfeld where like, I feel like with Seinfeld episodes, I have almost every single line tattooed <laughs> yeah. on my brain. Yeah, I don't think there. I, I think you're right. I don't think The Office is quotable. I think The Office has some great moments, and I think they're hysterical within the context of the show. I don't think they apply to a lot of things in real life. Whereas Seinfeld, we could be talking about something remotely associated with, <laughs> like you Just and I were right. talking the other day about like how you were gonna like, I forgot what it was now, but like you were gonna hunt me down one day for something and like show up at my at my door and like. I texted you back a gif of like Newman sliding in Jerry's door and him like trying to close it shut. And it's yes. just like they're always applicable to like something that we're talking about. Yes. And it, it could even just be um, sometimes you'll say something in like a certain tone and that will just remind me of someone on Seinfeld saying something that's totally unrelated, but in that same tone of voice. And it just it right. fits. Right. It was like earlier, last episode, we were talking about interesting writing, and it just went right to, yes. <laughs> right to Jay Peterman. That's interesting <laughs> writing, Elaine. <laughs> so good. So good. So, yeah, Alyssa uh, Seinfeld. Always Seinfeld. Outside of that, do you, are there other things that you feel like you quote with like other people, like in your family or with Rachel, like any movies or anything like that? 
yes. Uh, a lot of times Ted. Um, we quote Ted a lot, uh, Rachel and I. Um, I've never seen Ted. Oh, God. Tonight. Just go do it. <laughs> just, just go waste an hour and a half of your life, hour and 40 minutes or whatever it is, and, and go see that. Ted a lot. Um, family guy uh, from time to time. Big uh, Seth MacFarlane fan. Yep. Yep. Um, have you ever listened to his uh his album? album? I have. Yeah. It's okay. He has I mean, a great you know, voice. I can't see myself like, you know, going to see him if he was ever playing like remotely close. But... No, but I love that he has an appreciation for yes. uh, little nuances and for old timey stuff. The attention to detail is just, you know, in, in, in the movies that he's done specifically in Ted, um, they're like, they're very much appreciated. So, uh, yeah. What about you? Anything else besides Seinfeld? Um, yeah, I mean, Jimmy's a Seinfeld fan too. So lots of Seinfeldisms in this house. Um, but my family, my, with my sisters and, um, my cousins, Mrs. Doubtfire is like a huge movie yeah. that we are always quoting like to the point where it gets really annoying when, <laughs> when you hang out with us. Um, also, my cousin Vinny, big on in my family and in Jimmy's family, those lines are dropped all the time. My cousin Vinny's good too. We've done that a few times. Um, I've only watched that for the first time maybe about two, three years ago. Really? Uh, oh, yeah. So good. And I was like, regret, I, I, I regret not seeing it sooner. Like, it's just that good. We do Mrs. Doubtfire a lot now that you say that. <laughs> um, that happens a lot. Yeah, so yeah, there's some good ones. All right, uh, so we're getting down to the end here. Mm-hmm. And Steve, you can answer this if you want, but I think this question is for me. Yes, it is. So maybe I should ask you the question. Sure. Um, Sadie asks, uh, what was the biggest thing that changed your printable biz when you first started? For those of you guys who don't know, kind of the base of my business was built off of printable designs, which are designs that I design, but give you the file and then you can print and do what you want with them. The biggest thing that changed it, I would say as far as growth goes, about three or four years ago, I had a couple different bigger blogs reach out to me and ask if I would be willing to contribute to them. One of them was paid, but it was a very small amount. One of them was unpaid. So it was very much a promotional thing. But I still get so much traffic from those posts that I did for them. And basically the situation was I would design something specifically for their audience. I would take the photos and write the copy for the the other blogger's site. And then I would also create a post on my own site and link to it. Um, and obviously help promote it. And I still promote those posts to this day. Um, And I would say that is something that kind of gave me a push in the right direction. Also gave me a lot of confidence knowing that other people liked my work. But Sadie, I would say to you, you don't have to be asked to do something like this. There are a gazillion blogs out there, as you know. So I would recommend um, reaching out to other people, pitching them some ideas, not just saying, hey, I want to contribute, but hey, I've really, I've looked at your site and I feel like this is something that would really fit in with your audience and here are some ideas I have. I would love to discuss this more with you. So yeah, anyone who's looking to grow a principal business or really any business, I think uh, collaboration is always a great way to do that. Is that answer acceptable? You're nodding, but does that Well, I don't good? really have an answer to this question. I was intentionally left out by Sadie, so, you know. Well, 
now we both have our list of people that yeah <laughs> you have your dan <laughs> yeah uh gosh um Okay, team me up for this last one because I'm very excited okay, about this. So I've been more excited about this question this, than any other this one. This last one comes from a, a person who wants to remain anonymous. So it's kind of weird, but we'll leave it at that. There are some shy people out there on the internet. Totally get it. <laughs> um, and this person wants to know, what do you eat for breakfast? So this is like a, there's a story arc to this here. Oh, but, who knew? Um, well, I was very much like our 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 idol Jerry Seinfeld for the longest time in my life, every breakfast meal was uh, cereal. And, um, what's your favorite day, cereal? Special K. That's um, a solid choice. It's somewhat healthy. Yep. Yep. It was, um, I mean, I wouldn't, you know, I would change up from time mm -hmm. to time. Honey nut Cheerios. That's my life. favorite. But honey yeah, no, Cheerios. honey nut Cheerios are very good. Um, sometimes Crispix, um, but mostly, mostly special K. And then um, somewhere around 2013, give or take. Who knew this was going to be such a saga? I, I told you I was really <laughs> interested in this question. I tipped the scales at like 205. Um, and uh, and how tall are you? Just under 6'1". But it wasn't like muscle 205, right? It was like, you know beer and sugar and you know so um i said something's got to change i gotta i gotta cut back i gotta stop so i started by reducing alcohol con consumption which is i'm That'll sure a big it. reason why oh, that yeah helped. i lost like 20 pounds after college just because but, i stopped drinking <laughs> well also a good a good reminder for for anybody who's you know well whatever um we, but, we might have college students listening that's true that's that's true good way to lose the pounds folks. Um, but the other part is I used to have a bowl of cereal, uh, and a, uh, and a cup of juice every morning. And what um, kind of juice? Apple. Always um, apple. Sometimes cranberry. Cranberry is good. But there's a lot of sugar in juice and there's a lot of sugar in milk and you don't realize how much there actually is until you stop consuming them from that high point uh, of, of being over, what did I say? 204, mm -hmm. um, to probably 2015, 2014, somewhere into 2014, somewhere in that range. Um, I dropped 20 pounds, um, and I'm down I'm remained down. Um, although this last, these last four months have proven challenging <laughs> with eating out for most of my meals, not being home. I've been down to like 185, 184, 187, somewhere in that, that, that stretch, which is, um, I'm cool with that. I wanted to get down. I want to get down to 175 if I can. That's important. But so cutting that out, I obviously I still have to eat breakfast. So um, my breakfast most mornings, Monday through Friday, at least going to work is usually a banana and a cup of coffee. It's very um, satisfying because I have that it, breakfast a lot, too, when I'm on the run. Yeah, it's a great go to. Um, it's a good on uh, on the run, like you said. So that that certainly helps. Um, I'll do. On weekends, sometimes I'll do some kind of egg, um, some kind of protein like that, maybe a little bacon, but usually it's, you know, coffee and a banana. I don't eat a lot. Of, I don't eat a lot of cereal anymore. I still keep it in the house, but it's not something that I go to very often. So that's helped. That's definitely helped. So kind the, of. the secret Steve diet, you should really market this. It's just stop eating breakfast or stop eating breakfast, <laughs> stop eating cereal for breakfast. The breakfast companies want you to believe that it's the most important meal of the day. I disagree. 
Hmm. I think well, lunch is the most important meal of the day, personally. Lunch but is that's good. For, that's, that's, very, another question. that's very European of you. Yeah, well, that's me. <laughs> um, I grew up most of my life really hating breakfast. I don't really like breakfast foods. Um, cereal, I liked. That was probably my go-to also for a while. And uh, if you ever went out to eat with me in that kind of mid-morning range, I would always be the person to say, like, are you serving lunch yet? Because I don't care. <laughs> I, I would start eating my lunch at 1030 in the morning. Every other person asks, are you still serving breakfast? And you're jumping to lunch. Yep. Lunch is where it's at. Crazy. Um, I would say if uh, health wasn't involved, what I crave in the morning is, it's funny because it's what my grandpa who lived to be 97 would have on most mornings is just coffee or tea. I mean, I drink tea mostly for, for years and just a piece of bread, um, bread or, you know, something like that. Um, but I know that that's not really good for you. And it's like not, toast? Like, yeah, like a piece of Italian like bread or like a piece of like wheat bread out of a, out of a bag. And that's what you're eating. Right. I, I mean, I like, would eat that and be happy with that. Still, you still do that. I don't do it because oh. eating bread isn't good for you. I try, I don't even really keep bread in the house, but I love bread. Love it. <laughs> um, I love bread. That's going to be in the blooper reel. <laughs> <laughs> but I've tried like you to be healthier in my older age and I kind of yeah I kind of rotate through a few different things for breakfast I make probably the healthiest thing I make is this um it's like scrambled eggs but I'll mix it up with like chicken sausage that I cut up and spinach and kind of just like mix it all together I don't try to make an omelet because I've never been good at doing the flippy thing but that's probably like my my healthy breakfast and I have that a few days a week with sometimes some fruit but yeah, I don't, I just, I don't like eggs. Um, like I'll eat omelets, I'll eat scrambled eggs, like if I make them, but I never like how other people make them, especially restaurants. So that, that, I mean, that eliminates like half of breakfasts. Isn't this good? This I found out good. more about you in, in, in 40 something minutes than yeah. well, definitely that I knew before. So, <laughs> um, all right. I, I think I have one more question to end this with this, this question is, comes from me. Michelle Hickey oh, Design okay. on, on Instagram. Long-time long listener. <laughs> yes, long-time listener. <laughs> I just thought that this would be a fun question to end with. And this actually was a serious question that I was going to ask you off mic, but if and when we ever get sick of doing podcasts for creatives and we have to do another podcast together, what would the topic be? Mm. I, ha I have something to, to, to uh, suggest if you can't think of anything. Um... There's a couple of things that come to mind, but nothing Let's that I feel. I think I'd want to do something on the office. Mm -hmm. I think I okay. I think I'd want to do something on culture of years gone by. That is exactly what I was yeah. going to say. Like fifties through seventies pop culture. Yeah. Podcast. I think that would be a lot of fun um, to do because um, there really isn't another person I know who who better than you who I mean outside of maybe people who lived in that that generation but like as an observer of that mm -hmm. generation um better than you so yeah I think that would have been a lot that would be a lot of fun cool well if you guys like that idea let us know and if you don't like that idea too bad we're doing it yeah <laughs> If you've enjoyed this episode, help us spread the word on social media. Tag us at Pod4Creatives and let us know what stood out to you. We're friends with a shared passion. Go back to the beginning. Go back to the beginning. God almighty. <laughs> it's hard. Cut.
I'm a social media and digital content strategist. Mm. Are mm. you? Mm. Go again. <clears throat> what was wrong with the first recording? Hi, I'm Michelle. A... <laughs> Why is this always so hard? For I don't us? know. Yeah, I like how I call myself a social media and digital content strategist, and yet I, I sort of do that, but it's not really like what my title is, but you can sounds change better. It. Than, I don't even know. No. What's, I, I'm, I call myself a creative business coach. I don't even really do that. I don't really know what I do today, to be honest. So, <laughs> Hi, I'm Michelle, and I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, how does that sound? <laughs>